Hello, and welcome to Just Another Real Estate Podcast, where we'll speak with Arizona's most successful real estate professionals to better understand their business, current market conditions, team and business building strategies, successes, and challenges. This podcast is brought to you by Dwell Inspect Arizona with your host, Sean Garvey. Welcome to Just Another Real Estate Podcast. Uh, today's guest is Sasha Blanchet with Sasha Blanchet Fine Homes. Good friend of ours for a long period of time. Uh, we've we've known him for a number of years, and we're we're honored to get to work with him um, throughout the years and and call him a friend as well. So welcome, Sasha. Thanks for spending your time with us this morning or this afternoon. Thank you. Today. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Appreciate uh, you having me on your uh, your your pod and. Uh, you know, it's always a, a pleasure to uh, work with you and your staff, and you guys are always so professional all the time. And, uh, you know, definitely um, uh, you're, you've been a great help, and uh, your company is amazing. Oh, thank you. Well, in reality, we're just trying to keep up with you. You you also have an amazing team. Um, you have a lean team that, that just produces amazing things. Um, and I'm not saying that to, to inflate your ego, but but the amount of houses that you sell in a year, um, you know, you have a flipping business that you that you manage to or remodeling, I should say. Um, and then you have um, a short term rental, a robust short term rental business. Um, and then you all like to throw in things like remodeling or rebuilding your own home and uh, global adventures as well. So I don't know how you do it, but um, you're setting the pace and we're just trying to keep up. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, everyone, uh, where are you from originally? Um, and then, you know, how did you end up in Phoenix? Uh, good question. I uh, originally um, from Quebec City, Canada, went to school in uh, Montreal, and uh, I was a professional ice skater at the time. I was competing for Canada for many, many years. Like and the country uh, of, representing the country of Canada. Canada, correct. Big and, deal. Um, and things were, you know, in the late 90s, uh, things were a little bit harder. I was a pair skater. And then um, my, me and my skating partners, you know, there were a little bit of difference in weight and we had some issues there. And uh, one of the top competitors at the time uh, uh, started training with us and we could see that they were the next Olympic champions. So uh, then I got an opportunity uh, to, um, to go ice skate on cruise ships. They were building uh, new ships in the Caribbean and um, got a... I got the uh, the inside uh, from another skater saying that they were building that and they were building an ice rink on the ship. And so I sent a videotape at the time in the late 90s and got the job. So I ended up, uh, I was uh, contracted with Royal Caribbean to uh, ice skate on, on the first cruise ships ever that were built in uh, in Europe. So, uh, so I ended up doing that for five years and wow. had a great time. And uh, But after five years, I kind of, you know, I've, I had enough of that, you know, so I, that's, I, I was like, skating is, is good and working on a cruise ship, life is so easy, but it's not going to set me for life, you know, right. so it's it's still working for a paycheck all the time. And so I, uh, that's that's when I really kind of started to, uh, I, I got my green card at that time uh, after a few years and then eventually I got my citizenship as well and uh, and I came to Arizona for uh, a real estate seminar I was doing a lot of uh, study about how to invest in real estate and also to find ways to get some passive income so I was kind of after 
passive income the more than just regular income so right. passive income i wanted something that would create that that you know i would work on it once and get paid over and over and found real estate would be a good asset to do that so came to phoenix uh and I uh, went to some seminar and I love, love the weather. You know, of course, our weather is so amazing. So I ended up doing that for, um, for um, you know, then I completely moved to Arizona, started my real estate business at that time. So, so, so your first your first introduction into the U.S. It was directly into Phoenix or Arizona? Yeah, the the ship uh, the ships were based oh, right. in the in the Caribbean and into Miami. So I, mm-hmm. I did do a little bit of uh, investment over there in Miami at that time. Uh, once a week, I was back on the, in Miami, so I started doing that. But I really kind of during that time that I was on the ship, really kind of got into reading books and uh, going to seminars uh, about real estate investment. You know, I thought you know the investment side of it was the most important part. So, uh, and that's how I got started. You know, I, I learned how to to uh, find contractors, uh, how to different strategies to uh, to do lease options or uh, learn about the rental business. So all of those, uh, I got started with that uh, in 2004, 2005. Yeah. So. Well, I got to I want to ask you a little bit about that, but I just got to have two questions for English. Sure. Right there. <laughs> uh, um did you live on a boat for five years? Like you legitimately Monday through Sunday, you were, you were on the boat. That was your home. I was, I lived in this little tiny little cabin um, and with bunk beds. And, uh, and I was doing six months on the ship. Then I had like a month or two off and I was going back to the ship, a different ship. Uh, so uh, it was an easy life at the time because I was in my twenties yeah. I was able to uh, to just only had to work like a few nights a week. And so we had four shows a week uh, on two nights. And the rest of the time I was I was free to do whatever I wanted to do. So just go drink on the island and party and meet uh, some other guests on the ship. <laughs> so that was kind of the different How kind fun. of life that I have now where I'm working out here all the time. So. <laughs> Yeah, it sounded like a, a lot of downtime and, and maybe it sounds like you took opportunity of that to pick up a book while you weren't were doing that and you saw into the future for the next step. That's, That's right. Cool. Yeah. Um, and even after the ship, I uh, I did do some uh, small shows in uh, team parks in Ohio and, you know, and, uh, and during that time, I had a lot of time off in between shows and I was just all I was doing is getting into like studying and getting into these conferences uh, online and and that that's how I got started, you know, so. And you also forgot, maybe you didn't forget, but I was going to say it anyways, but you were also on television with, with your skating too, right? You did skating with the stars up in Canada. Was that fall into I, yeah, that timeline too? It was uh, skating with the stars in uh, Rome and I did oh, it in Rome. Belgium uh, and I did it in Holland. So, uh, you know, that was one of those where I was matched with a famous uh actress there uh and uh every week we were competing like uh, like the show and uh, that was really amazing i did that in 2007 okay so i took a break of uh, my real estate year and went there for a few months and had fun there so what an incredible um opportunity that skating opened up for i mean obviously it sounded like a passion but it also allowed you to live this incredible lifestyle where you got to travel the world and and do 
um, what I assume you loved, right? If you if you were at that level, you had to love it at some level. Right. Oh, that was great. And, uh, you know, I also ice skating, that's allowed me to come and live in the U.S. Sure. Um, legally, obviously, because I would never be able to be here without skating. You know, I was able to get my green card much easier than any other process out there just because of my skating career that I had. Wow. So. That's incredible. All right. So back to one thing I put a note down and I, and it said, um, you had the clairvoyance to, um, start going to seminars. Uh, where did you find a seminar? And like, is it a big name? Like a, you know, like a Tony Robbins where there's 5,000 people, or was it just a guy with a flyer on a telephone pole and you're like, oh, I'm going to go check this out. <laughs> yeah. We, we got involved, uh, into, uh, with Robert Allen, Okay. Uh, that was kind of the, a lot of that. And then from those seminars, then I met some other, um, you know, gurus, I would say, about real estate. Some are famous about no money down type of real estate uh, seminars. And, you know, those really works. You just got to take the time after you go to those seminars to apply what you learn. Sure. And that's how I got started. I remember buying properties with none of my own money in 2005. Uh, another property, I did a wholesale deal where I bought the property, I put it on the contract, and I sold it to another investor right yeah. before closing. So I've done a few of those as well. So, uh, you know, I was, uh, I'd say I was a hustler and I was, I was hustling to, to make it happen, didn't have much money. And uh, I just uh, found solutions and put those, um, those studies into action. So, so you got into it with the intent of developing uh, a long-term investment portfolio where you're making money in it or, or you're not getting into it with the uh, intent of generating a residential real estate or luxury real estate business, right? Is that? Uh, originally, that you know, my goal was to just build passive income to okay. find different strategies uh, to build, build that passive income. So I, it, it would cover all my expenses and I wouldn't have eventually having to work a daily job where all the income comes in from the rentals they have. Okay. So that's interesting. And, uh, you know, that's a little bit later on that I found uh, the best asset for me for building passive income was through short, short-term rentals. Yeah. So an Airbnb and VRBO and, and that, that's where I really got started in 2010 uh, where I really kind of uh, discovered that this this could be really big, you know. 2010, Airbnb was just starting, right? And uh, bought my first little condo, uh, you know, at 15th Avenue and Camelback for thirty thousand, and turned that into. I uh, decided, oh, I'm going to furnish it and see how it works, and put it on VRBO. Then uh, one of my friends told me about Airbnb, and then uh, put it on Airbnb, and it was always booked. And I was calculating at the end of the year, you know, I was making, you know, twenty or thirty thousand dollar net on a thirty thousand dollar investment. <laughs> and so I was like, well, that's a good return. You know, yeah, thirty thousand that's a hundred percent return on my money. So then I started, you know, I bought a few more and I sold some and did some ten thirty one exchanges on a few of those. Uh, and now I find myself with twenty uh properties that actually uh take care that I own. Um by myself and some partners as well that I teamed up with. And uh, we just uh, take care of all those properties and keep renting them out on VRBO and Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, I've, I've watched it develop over the years um, just from the periphery and, and you look like you've developed this credible system. 
and you've, you've become an expert in it. And we've even inspected some houses for your clients, past clients that are, that are looking to get into the business. So not only are you helping them buy a house, but you're also helping them start their own business, which is pretty right. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. A few years ago, I, I kind of wanted the, to help out and so many of my friends, uh, close friends and clients were coming to me and seeing the type of return that I was making with my investments and, and I was able to help them out and bring them into our group. Now we have a small group that we host right. uh, 60 properties in the Valley and uh, we, uh, we take care of, of, of everything. You know, we, we um, handle the, the bookings and the cleaning schedules and, and we have a very, very good uh, system down that uh, we have lock closets in every home mm-hmm. uh, for the cleaning crew. So it's, it's all systemized. Uh, and now, you know, it's all app based, so we don't touch right. any of the money. So it's, it's so much easier than what it used to be uh, when I started. You know, when I started, we had we had to do a lease agreement for everything and we had to make sure we get the money in the mail. And, and now it's all app based and the money gets deposited in everybody's accounts so at the end of the at the end of the state. So it's great for that. Yeah. I mean, tell me about I mean, that's. 2010 is like the very, very beginning of it. You saw this opportunity. Um, I mean, VRBO had been around probably for a couple of years and right. Airbnb comes on. Um, and those are, those are two of the largest hotel companies. They don't own any hotels, but you had the, you don't, they don't own any hotel rooms, but you had the, um, you had the vision to see that as an early opportunity. Phoenix is just coming out of, of um, probably the bottom around 2008 or so. Um, the mm-hmm. bottom of the residential real estate crash, um, and you got a house for thirty grand. That's pretty right. Incredible. Or a condo for thirty grand. That's <laughs> right. that's pretty incredible. Yeah. But then you just said, "Hey, I'm going to try something different," and look what it's turned into. That's pretty incredible. But what, right. yeah, what, yeah. what was it like back then? And then, I mean, people just take it for granted now. Well, you know, it was kind of unknown, uh, and nobody would. You know, everybody was having their focus on, yeah, some people had VRBO properties, mm-hmm. but they were all in Scottsdale and, you know, there was, and um, it was just the beginning of it. And uh, nobody thought that, you know, at 15th Avenue in Camelback, you would have VRBO and Airbnb that would work. Uh, and and obviously, you know, I tried it and that's, that's how I, I really discovered that it was very, uh, successful you know the property was always booked i had no problem and my properties were staying in better shape than long-term rentals as well so i I realized and i was able also to uh, put clients in as well when they were coming in town and at that time i had tons of buyers from canada that were coming down to buy a property investment properties or second home and and i was okay i'm going to block my calendar you can stay in my vrbo property it's all furnished already for you so uh, and that was just a good way to uh, to to get some income at the beginning and uh, then then after it started with one then that that's where i always sit to my clients you know you should always kind of focus on buying at least one investment property per year even yeah. if it's difficult and risky at first you're not sure you know is it going to rent is it you take the risk and you find the money all the time and it works out you know yeah. so uh, even for thirty thousand dollars, it was a big investment for me to get started um, at that time. And uh, the the real estate market at that time was kind of risky. You know, people sure. were like, "Oh, well, 
something might happen. The, the United States might become bankrupt, you know. And that was kind of all the what was going on in 2010 and 2011. But I, I took the risk and it all worked out. And after that, and it, it's the same right now, you know. It's it's uh, people are a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit reluctant about buying real estate in this time of the year. But you know, it's a great time. I would prefer buying now than six months ago. Now I can actually negotiate. I have you know, a lot more power as a buyer. So, but man, I, I continue to buy real estate even in bad time, rough time, good times. I think you want to keep it consistent like anything else. You know, I think yeah. consistency is key in real estate investment. Yeah. You know? That's interesting uh, perspective. And, and one thought that just kind of, you said it was a risk at the 30 grand and it's probably, you know, a lot of money, but I I just thought with your work ethic to get you at the level of skating, and what I've seen in your real estate business, it doesn't seem like much of a risk. It seems like you would have done anything to make it work, um, right? You know, to to rise to that level, and then and then once you recognize the one, it's just an application of of adding more and more, right? Um, but when you see when you see in your bank account that you have like a thousand dollars left, or yeah. <laughs> that's, like, that's like okay, how am I going to furnish this property? How am I going to find the money to to uh, to do that you know so on another side it just made me like work harder sure. to make it happen so i was like hustling even more out there to uh, to sell properties at that time you know that i was i was also a real estate agent at that time and that made me work and i met also some um, i have some uh, uh, real estate partners that invested with me at that time and then we started buying 50 50 some properties and and there were some times where i was like i didn't have the money you know i didn't have that that type of cash to go in but i were able to kind of do the deals together and then borrowing money from him and then that's how i got started you know so, so you got creative to find it and and found you brought in sounds like you brought in some good partners too Oh yeah, very good, and uh, and and I'm glad that I had them at the time, you know, because and it was a win-win. I was I was actually very good at finding the the, the good properties to invest in and to, yeah. and uh, we did some flips like that, uh, especially in 2011, 12, 13. There was a lot of bank-owned properties, and it was a, an amazing time to pick up properties for 75, 80, and put another 50 and resell for 200, you know. We're doing a lot of that, uh, yeah. and uh, but I, I didn't have to use my own money at that time. We're just, uh, right. you know, teaming up together and uh, you know, you know, make a little bit of money like that. So that's incredible. And and in the past too, you 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 mentioned something about having the knack for finding the good properties. You know, I think um, I think when a lot of people are looking, and we've seen in the past, a lot of people are looking for short-term rentals. They're looking in like the Old Town Scottsdale area. Or maybe the Northeast Scottsdale area, like the DC Ranch, like areas that are very, very popular. You've told me that the best properties that you found are are not in those areas. Some are in the worst neighborhoods of the city. Right. No, I think you've you've got to you, you've got to think outside the box. Yeah. I think most people, when they think about short-term rentals, they only think about you know Old Scottsdale yeah. and all that. But those areas are very saturated right now, and not a good time to buy in those areas. You know. Um, so you want to think about, you know, where do you think that there's not many short-term rentals and, and there's still families out there. They have friends coming over to visit them. So they need a short-term rental, uh, or getaway people want to rent a place for a week. 
and they want to get away and they want to have their own pool. So they book the place, even if it's in East Mesa or Avondale or, you know, last year I had some great uh, income in my property in Avondale, surprisingly, you know. So people would never expect that, uh, that there's a market for that. But it, it really kind of decide, you decide where it would be a good fit for you and where you can find a good opportunity to buy as well. So oh, That's really good advice. I mean, I, I like that, um, you know, you're seeing opportunity where others, where others aren't and they're just going in the direction that the... Um, that seems to be the best opportunity, but you're, right. you're not necessarily overpaying for the houses in Avondale or North Phoenix or East Mesa. Um, and, but people need them, you know, there's right. less and, density. Yeah. And also it's uh, the matter is that, you know, it's not always, um, you know, you have to think about all year round, you know, you don't want to think only about the, the Super Bowl or, you know, the spring training, you know, you got to think about, yeah, you got to rent it in, in the month of June, July, August. So people are coming from California. They don't really need, you know, to, to stay in Scottsdale all the time. You know, they, they're fine. And, and my, my goal always is to get a very high occupancy rate, uh, not, not necessarily having the highest rate, but I want to stay at least at 90% occupancy rate on those property. I don't want to see a gap of five days next week on my calendar on one of my property. I like right. to see them completely booked. Uh, so I just, you got to adjust the rates. And even if you have to adjust the rate to $150 a night or $200 a night for a, a property that you bought for 400000 it's not a big deal, you know, so... Uh, but if you paid something for over a million in, right. in old Scottsdale, that's going to be very hard to rent during those slow months. So, uh, and you're not going to get pretty much nothing. So Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's good advice. I would say, well, let me ask you, without giving away too many of your secrets, um, wh what are some tips for somebody? Well, first first tip I would say is to call you and, and ask, right. you to, ask them to help you ask for them to ask you how to find a house but the what are what are some features that you look for when you're when you're going to make an acquisition for you personally or one of your clients directly uh, i usually look and see the community to make sure that you're not too close to your neighbors mm -hmm. um, uh, looking for privacy as well um, you know you want to also uh, make sure that you know depending on how much money you're going to have to put in to fix it up or remodel. So that that's a big consideration. So a lot of the time, you know, I don't want to spend a whole lot of, of money out of my pocket to do a full remodel and the right. time as well. Right. I also like uh, houses with swimming pool. Yep. So I think a swimming pool is more cost involved, but you'll get more money definitely during the summer months and even the winter months uh, compared with a house that doesn't have a pool. Uh, also, I look at the HOA. So if you're looking into an area where there are HOAs, you want to make sure before you buy, before you put an offer, you want to look at the CCNRs and make sure that there's no rental restrictions in the property. Some of those HOAs will have a 30-day minimum or a three-month minimum rental. So in those cases, then you you got to be very careful because you don't want to buy where it's a one-year minimum right. because then you're going to be shut down in no time by the HOA. So also you want to look into with the cities as well in the state. Of course, if you're, you're buying in the state of Arizona, you're fine right now, but there are some cities in the, like, for example, Phoenix or Scottsdale, all of those have restrictions. Uh, 
they're allowing short-term rentals, but you need to get a license from the city oh, really? to do that. So there are some requirements that you need to have and you have to follow on those. So I think the, the, the cities also, you want to make sure before you start investing in real estate with short-term rentals, you want to talk to your CPE. Number one, you want to make sure you all set up property to receive some income. Mm -hmm. And you also want to go ahead and talk to your an attorney as well to make sure that you're all well protected in case of lawsuits against the properties. So especially in right. terms of liability. Uh, also, you want to make sure you have the right insurance. So, uh, a regular landlord policy or regular long-term rental policy will not do uh, for short-term rentals. So you need to make sure that you have uh, the proper insurance to cover in case of something would, would happen uh, on your property. So I, I've seen some cases where, you know, you get sued because someone uh, fell into the house or so you, you want to have enough liability insurance. And uh, a number of policies is a good option to have as well. So you want to at least keep a 2 or $3 million umbrella policy on top wow. of your regular policy as well. So wow. I'd say you have to talk to an insurance agent that knows the area of short-term rentals. So that's very important. And so with, I mean, that's, that's a wealth of tips and advice and experience that you just shared. Thank you. Um, from, so let's say you're buying a property and you have enough experience. So you probably know you're buying, you're putting the wheels into motion as you sign the contract for purchase, but from acquisition, to um, launch on one of these websites, how long does it take you to get a house ready? I'd say anywhere between uh, 30 to 60 days, usually. So depending what needs to be done, usually uh, I have a team right now, so it's a little bit faster. But we go in, uh, wow. we have our uh, interior decorator that works for me full time. Uh, she goes in, she kind of chooses the colors. Uh, I used to do all of this, but I got tired of <laughs> doing all. <laughs> so now she's much better than me, and she uh, she goes out and it's done quickly. And I oversee the the painting after when I hire the painter, get the estimates for my clients or for me. Sure. Uh, then do whatever we need to do. Like we like we always have to have a, the same type of lock closets, the same type of locks that we put in. Uh, we change the uh, the front door lock to be an electronic lock. That uh, also is automated with Airbnb and VRBO. Right. Uh, then we go in and make sure that the pool is safe. Uh, we do all the, the, the signage outside and right. the buoy and all of those details. Um, and after that, then um, we have someone that handle all the purchases for the kitchen. So, you know, all the little details. I have someone that goes in and buy everything and wash everything, bring everything in. And I have another team that does all the linen and all the backup linen for everything. So, you know, when you get to a system where we always buy the same type of linen, the same right. type of pillows, you know, you know? To do. and um, then we get it done. And, and then we go through a, a punch list of all the repairs that needs to be done in the home, making sure that everything is very safe for our guests and making sure there's a CO2 detector in the home and make sure each bedroom has a, a fire, uh, each bedroom has a fire alarm as well, a smoke detector. Um, a fire extinguisher under the kitchen sink and in the garage. All of those are very important to have. Uh, and of course, we usually always put a pool heater on the house as well. Yep. So, I mean, you just rattled off a ton of things to do. And <laughs> right. with, with, 
when you hire you to manage it, it sounds like it's just systematized and dialed in and, and you probably have a reasonable idea of what everything costs too, to do it. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, with the cost of the furniture for that, say for yeah. uh, a normal, like three bedroom, four bedroom, a house, two bath, like 2000 square feet, square feet, it's going to be anywhere between 40 to 50 usually including the uh, the paint and all the setup and usually we average that because every home will need to do some type of updating awesome. you know sometimes they have as older cabinets where we paint them change the counters uh, we want to make sure it looks really good and updated as well so so that's I mean uh, that's anybody who's listening that's a very reasonable expectation to to not that most people don't think about when they're getting into this business. They think they're going to buy a house, maybe find some furniture, stick it all together, throw it up on, on Airbnb. And it's going to be booked like that, but you really have to polish it up to make it more attractive. Oh, for sure. Especially yeah. now it's uh we had an increase of 50% more Airbnb listings in one year in the Phoenix area, 50, uh, 50% more. Holy cow. So there, it's very saturated right now. So you've got to make sure that your property looks better than anybody else around. So yeah. you want to have the best photography. You want to have the best reviews. And you want to have something that will attract the people, depending you know what team you, you go with. If it's a mid-century modern or right. you go into a farmhouse style, you know you want to make sure that it looks really, really good. And you don't want to be like too um, niche directed as well. I've learned that because I did once. I did a, a Fifty Shades of Grey. That <laughs> 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 was kind of fun, you know. It was fun, but at the beginning, it took a long time to take off. You know, I was not getting very much um, bookings and realizing that well, the, the golfers didn't want to book that because of the the style and. You know, so I kind of rebranded it, and and it works out now. But you know, you want to <laughs> you want to catch a have a big net. You don't want to have a small net. So uh, and that that's um that's where I learned. You know, find some style that most people like, uh, and it's gonna get booked. You know, and th- I think the worst thing you you can do is go in and just use what you have in your garage. That right. you know, I, that's not a good idea because it's gonna look like. You bought everything in a yard sale and it's just you want to make sure that it looks like really good without spending a fortune in furniture. You want to also think about uh, reliability. You want to make sure that it's going to stay and be solid for a long time as well. People are rough in those properties, you know. So I've learned never put like wooden chairs into the dining room because they're going to get broken after a few months. So so you always want to make sure you have metal legs chairs um same with the beds you know you want to make sure that you put solid and comfortable bed without spending a huge amount of money but um you know after a while you kind of get to know where to buy everything to save some money but you want to buy a quality that will last as well so that's really thoughtful and it doesn't sound like you're i mean i we were at a um we were at a party last week and um i guess the neighbors to that house our Airbnb and I looked over the fence and it was like, it was like every uh, fraternity or bachelor party, uh, like dream. I mean, it was, there was a uh, beer pong tables and driving ranges uh-huh. and um, uh, tailgate toss and ladder golf and 
beach volleyball and pool and bars there and and what have you i mean it was like it was like a giant party waiting to happen it doesn't sound like you're renting to that type of yeah <laughs> no we're very very careful we don't want party yeah. and yeah we put it very clearly on each uh so our our home is going to be more uh basic in terms of games and you know because we don't want to attract that crowd right yeah uh, but yeah just yeah, as soon as we hear anything about parties or we get the requests sometimes but we we decline those requests because we're we don't want to deal with that and now airbnb has been very strict in the last uh, four months and if you if your house has a party then they actually um, they, they call they, they put that particular listing in jail. I call it oh, like wow. the Airbnb jail. And one of our property in Mesa, actually, that's what happened. One of the neighbor called uh, Airbnb and they, they, they said there was a party going on in the house and we had no clue. And uh, so we called the, uh, the guests right away and they stopped all the noise right away. But we still got in jail for 30 days. You know, we couldn't even rent the, the, the property for 30 days. And it wasn't our fault. You know, we're the we're the hosts. We're very right. clear that we don't allow any party. But the guests got away with that with no consequences for, for them. And we're the one that kind of uh, paid for it. You know, 30 days is hard because imagine you're in the month or your bigger month, your biggest yeah. month of the year in February or March. And all of a sudden, you have to close off your Airbnb and you can't take any more bookings. That really hurts, you know. That's so, wild. so, uh, so Airbnb does not allow any parties. So, and so they're, I think they're getting better at, at stopping those and changing the reputation as well that Airbnb has with they're neighbors. Yeah. So, yeah, that's great. I mean, that's great on their, um, their yeah. aspect. Um, clearly, you have. A wealth of knowledge in that and i appreciate you sharing it but we also should address i mean you you have a fantastic residential real estate business that you that you manage too and like i said you you're pretty lean um through your environment it's you with your assistant john and um and you guys sell an incredible amount of houses yeah, no, we uh, we stay busy. We like uh, we like uh, serving our clients, and yeah. I think uh, one thing that I do very well, you know, there, there's there's millions of, of real estate agents, but sure. something that I do better than I'd say anyone in the valley uh, is that I'm really good at putting together a team, a crew, uh, to work on the property before the property is being listed for sale. So mm-hmm. since I have all the trades, you know, I have the drywaller, the, the painter, the appliance, you know, all of those people at a very reasonable price, I do very well when I, I take a property that uh, either hasn't sold or or a property that needs a lot of work before and I get invited. I love those challenges because I go in and and in 30 to 60 days, the house looked amazing. You know, yeah. we do uh, great photography and staging and we take time to uh, uh, stage even the dining table when we take our photos. So so that that's one piece that uh, I do very well and my team uh, differentiate with the other real estate agents. You know, the rest, you know, everybody's it's got something better than me or <laughs> so, but what I do very well is that. And uh, even uh, right now we just uh, listed a property in the Phoenix country club and the property needed a lot of work uh, two months ago. And we, we turned it in two months, you know, oversell the tree trimming and the uh, winter grass and oversell the concrete uh, 
right? We, we had to kind of resend all those concrete. Uh, they had a circular driveway, um, oversee all the painting, new kind of tops. And I oversaw all the work for two wow. months. Every morning, I was driving to the property at, at 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, meeting the, the, the trades, the subs, and to do all the work. And we got it all done, you know. And the transformation was amazing, you know, from from a house that needed a lot of work to a beautiful property now. So. I love it. And and on a side note, I, I love the Phoenix Country Club and the history of the houses in there. So I think that's that's magical that you brought something back to life in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's so cool. There's there's so much history that, that you just don't think about um, being a Phoenician or at least being native or having been around a while. But um, we, we did one in there a long time ago and it was um, – it was Barry Goldwater's brother's house and Barry Goldwater lived across the street. And they talked about, I don't know, Johnny Carson and, um, and Ed Sullivan, all these people coming to the Phoenix open and they would stay in these houses around there. And my mind was just kind of blown with the history of, and the, and the poll that Phoenix had back then for the Phoenix right. Country club had back then. So that's cool. Oh, it's a great neighborhood with the, especially it's so green and very yeah. mature trees. And uh, the listing that I have on Country Club, it's um, 85 North Country Club. If, if you have an opportunity to look it up online, uh, yeah. it's just, it's a 1929 property. Uh, amazing, amazing architecture. And um, the views are just, there's even views of, of um, Camelback Mountain from the house. Wow. So, um, yeah, very, very, very nice listing. Um, one thing you just mentioned in that is is that you put time and investment back into the house prior to listing. Um, were you doing that even during the frenzy of of um, home sales? You know, the um, six months ago, were, were you still putting the best foot forward on a house when you were putting it on the market? I was. Yeah, I've seen all kind of markets. You know, I started yeah. with the the short sale time and back in two thousand seven. And uh, and my process has not really changed. The only thing I'm I'm more efficient now, mm-hmm. uh, and even when it's a very good uh, seller's market, I still like to because it's my brand. You know, I want to make sure that when I'm taking pictures, that the property look amazing uh, and to the the full potential than the house. You know, and I think that was the difference between listing a property and getting let's say two million bucks. But you know, if I if I put a little bit more energy to make it look beautiful, then my clients can get two and a half million. That's so that difference. that's kind of like the difference. And you know, in this in the lower price range, sometimes it could make fifty to a hundred thousand dollar difference. You know, if you really kind of put a little bit of energy and very little amount of money in, like just repainting the walls and and having some nice, beautiful, uh, fresh flowers and. Uh, I put some geraniums into the um, the pots outside. Mm-hmm. All of those make a huge difference when you walk in. Um, I have a friend of mine. She told me, "Say, yeah, you gave me a thousand dollars to put all new geraniums outside, and you're probably gonna get an extra ten to fifteen thousand dollars on the wow. sale of your home." So it's just so uh, welcoming for for the potential buyers. I mean, that that's just something I, I haven't heard. You know, people took it for so granted for so, you know, for about a year and a half after the COVID, you know, collapsed, as you know, for about three weeks. And then the real estate market went bananas. Right. Um, and that's no secret. But you still took the time and kept with your process set up just 
sticking a sign in the front yard and opening the door and 40 people would come through. You stuck a sign in the yard, still did your improvements, and that same 40 or 50 people came through, but they reached deeper into their pockets to buy the house. Correct, yes. Huh. Yeah, because the, the, the principle never ch doesn't change, you know. People will be put, you know, even if there's 15 buyers potential, well, you know, obviously I might be able to get 20 potential buyers and more eyes on the properties as well. Right. The more eyes you have, the more potential buyers are fighting for the same property, the higher the price can it be. So. Yeah, your principles didn't change because I, I think a right. lot of people's principles did. Um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not degrading anybody. It's just, I think it's interesting that you stayed the course, um, right? because, um, it would have been easy not to do it. Um, well, you know, people get lazy. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me your thoughts about staging too. Cause I think that's, that's interesting. I've read the data, right? If you stage a home, it sells faster and for, for more money. But, um, is that in actuality? I mean, are you using Airbnb furniture? to stage a house and moving it around and, and hold it or uh i used to have my warehouse and my garage was a mess you know to uh, all <laughs> this <laughs> this crazy amount of, of furniture and move things around and i kind of got out of that um and now i have a, a person that just handled that for me and she's She's my full-time decorator. She's uh -huh. really great. And and she actually has access to uh, unlimited amount of furniture at a small cost. So, oh, so wow, we just rent, we rent the furniture uh, and it's so much easier for my life. You know, I don't have to oversee all of that part. So she handles all of that. Uh, and uh, it's a little bit more expensive, but at least, you know, you don't own the furniture and furniture always depreciate. Yeah. So I'd rather have someone else um get the the depreciation of the furniture so let me so but yeah no it's uh it's easy and it's faster i just you know text her the address and we meet at the property we oversee what we need to do and then she brings a few days later the truck arrives with all the furniture and then i finish all the final touches with her as well like the dining table and the mm -hmm. kitchen design uh then after that we're we just do our photo shoot at night and it looks beautiful. Wow. That's incredible. And that's what yeah, one thing side. about photography. Oh, I love doing the, the twilight photography. I think uh, uh, when there's a, a twilight and just at sunset, the, the colors inside a home really gets to amazing. You know, it's so much better than daylight. There's just, uh, it's a lot deeper, the colors and, um, so most of all my luxury listing, it's all twilight photography that I do. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had a lot of candles and it looks very warm and inviting as well. Huh. Uh, people who are listening can't see that, but you're saying this all with a, with a smile. I mean, you, you <laughs> right. tell, you're really, you're really passionate about the presentation of a home and, and the high oh, attention to detail for sure. So important. And that's from the listing side, but you also sell, uh, you service a lot of buyers too. Um, and I don't know where you find the time, but um, one thing I heard is is that you 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 have a lot of solutions for any problems. And I've seen it, um, I've seen that firsthand when we go through an inspection and maybe some things aren't so in such great condition, but you, you're always saying, well, that's not a big deal, or I've got a guy for that. And you pretty right. much know what it's going to cost and how to how to tackle those problems on the imperfect house 
Right. Well, there's never a, a perfect house. Like no. you always see a, <laughs> at the beginning of an inspection. Uh, but, you know, I, I see a lot of people that are kind of dramatizing sometimes on, on when they hear something, oh, there's a little thing missing there. Yeah. You, know, that, you know, everything is fixable. Right. So uh, and it takes times. And what I, I really, you know, like is that I have two full time handyman that works for me only. So yeah. so when I have like a repair or clients call me and oh we're having an issue with this, then I just send my handyman there and he fixes it and and that's over, you know. So and especially during uh, Binzer as well uh, mm-hmm. negotiation. Um, when I work with buyer, I want to make sure that we only ask for what's more important, you know, like the the roof and all of those could be very expensive, right? Air conditioner. But the rest of the thing, you know, I usually send my handyman there after we close. And uh, that's a gift for my clients. And I say, well, here's, you know, you got two, day, two days that we can have a handyman. We can get a lot of things done during two days. Uh, and that makes a huge difference for my client wow. as well. So even sometimes they're there to hang picture frames for them or helping them out. So we, uh, and that's that's one of the value that I do for a lot of my clients. So wow, that's an incredible closing. It you can get them so, to hang TVs and and do that. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever they need. They need. And, you know, and sometimes it's just uh, you know all those little details on the binzer. It's just not worth it to ask the seller to fix that. And I just say, well. We'll put together a list, and as soon as we close, the handyman that I work that works for me is going to go and take care of all those details. So, I mean, that's so reassuring during such a pivotal point of um, how am I going to address this? How how much does this cost uh, from the buyer's perspective? Where you know it's high tension. You say, "I got a solution for that. Not a big deal." We're right. Handle it Correct. And. And having handyman that works for me, I, I wouldn't even be able to be in the business now, not having those those two gentlemen because they're just helping me so much. One of them has been working for me for 12 years uh, full time. And it's just, uh, you know, there's always something broken, of course, in the rental sure. business. Uh, we have spreadsheets of, of repairs everywhere, you know, and then. And I just moved move them from one house to the other one. And when I have projects as well, remodel projects, then they work also on the projects. And when we have new Airbnb to set up, then they work on that. So, um, so and sometimes we're very busy with new listings as well. So before putting on the market, then I will go through uh, uh, with my clients and say, well, what doesn't work in the house? And I put a list of different things. Yeah. Uh, or sometimes we have Sean come back, you come back and, yeah. and do a pre-inspection. So yeah. all of those, we can address a lot of those details as well before it, we go live on the market. So it, it it just kind of dawned on me while you're saying that, like having such a versatile business um, with the residential real estate, um, the remodeling, um, you know, or uh, preparing houses for listing and then your short-term rental has allowed you to really hire some and retain some key employees that you can use in all three of the businesses, which, which a a traditional residential real estate business might not have those resources, right? You don't have a handyman where you could say, Hey, be there on Tuesday. They they may have to make a couple of calls. I think that's a, a, an enormous advantage that you have and you've created, I should say. It made a a big difference, especially when we go through uh, times like the last few years where everybody was super busy. All the trades were super busy, uh, you know, doing big projects and remodeling and 
and all of that. To have uh, two full-time uh, handyman has just made my life so much easier. Uh, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't be where I am right now without those two gentlemen, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Even in the last two years where, where, um, people were buying houses and they were, you know, they were getting inspection reports and some of them had a lot of stuff on it. And they said, you know, the seller's not going to fix anything. Right. Um, we have to take this all on and you have that ability to, to, um, solve that problem. Right. And it, it's not easy out there to find to find uh, people for one little job, you know? Yeah. So, you know, try to find someone to to change smoke detectors into a home. And, you know, it's, it's not easy. It so it's just right too now. small of a job. So, and they're like, no, we're, we're busy remodeling a full house and we're, we're busy building <laughs> new houses. So. And how many, um, how many houses might you help sell a year? On a, on a traditional year at this point? Uh, I think the average, usually I do anywhere total with, between, I do maybe like uh, 40 to forty to 50 listings per year. And I do about 30 to 50 as well, like uh, buyers as well per year. So it's about like anywhere between 75 to 100 homes per year. That's usually my average. See, so. that's what I'm talking about. Just trying to keep up with you. Like, you have so many different facets of the business. Where yeah, the, the majority of my business is all past clients or referrals yeah. from them. So it's it's all you know. We do a we do a lot of um, uh, you know events together. We have fun and we we get get together. And they're all my friends. So and a lot of my time is spent while I get texts or calls from them. Say, hey, can you help me? I need. Uh, I need someone to uh, change my air conditioner. Who do you recommend? You know, yeah. and, I, and then I put them in touch with the people that I've worked with and the people that I trust. So that's kind of a lot of my time right now is spent on that, just referring or coordinating the handyman as well to help the people as well. So, so it's all about helping others. You know, the the more you help others, and I think the more the more comes back to you eventually. So that's, cool. that, that's how I've, I've seen this business in the last few years. That's really incredible. You've, you've built um, a, an amazing business in, in about a little bit over a decade and it's very impressed yeah. and, and we're uh, honored, certainly honored to be part of it um, to assist you on that as well. I have to ask you, uh, what are some things that you like about home inspections uh, from, from your perspective as a real estate agent? <laughs> Well, I think I like it because it's uh, you learn a lot. It's very educative, you know. You you know, every time I I, I go with my buyers to a home inspection with you guys, uh, I always learn something new. So uh, and that's and that's great because for my clients, usually it's their first time or sure. that they go through it, and it's a lot of information for them. But it's it's very important, you know. You want to know where is your water shutoff valve is at and your main panel and so all of those are a priority, and um, and it's um, then also the buyers make a decision if it's really the house that they want to buy. You know, if sometimes it needs way too much work, and they're not willing to take over that that projects, and sometimes they have to cancel after. Uh, but you know, most of the time the clients are happy because also that's one thing that I do a lot with my clients. It's not that I'm acting as a home inspector with them. But right. when I walk through the house, I, you know, I, I'm with them and tell them about certain things. And, yeah. and I've learned on with doing so many remodel and building new homes that 
um, I can point out what's not right sometimes in advance and I tell them in advance. So when, when they sit, when they're in front of you inspecting the property, it's not too much of a surprise on a lot of different things because they're, they've, they've been told by me, well, this you may want, I'm sure the home inspector will, will point that out, you For know? Sure. So, yeah. And uh, it really helps to kind of schedule them and plan them not to, to be like all emotional about little things that are wrong with the house. So. I mean, you, you certainly, you have a high home IQ and, and you are um, preparing your clients. And that's, that's been one of my forever dreams is to, to instruct real estate agents uh, of things that a home inspector might call out, like, Hey, take a look at the roof or take a look at the electrical panel or take a look at this. And this is going to be a conversation. Do you still want this house? And right. then, and then when they say yes to that, then you can get through the home inspection with way less surprises and way less sure. emotion um, and way more solutions and have a higher close rate. Or if they already know it's not the house for them, if they have to replace the roof and the electrical panel and the AC unit, mm -hmm. well, then move on to the next one. Go show them another house, right? I mean, I right. know it's not that easy. I've never done it before, but shown <laughs> a house before. But it, it seems like it's way more, it's way more useful to move on from that house before getting invested into it with the negotiations and the contracts and the absolutely yes yeah. yeah big difference and it's just a matter also of steps as well so you know if if they don't know anything about the house and they get there and they get all those those things that are wrong with the house yeah it's hard to swallow in one one pill you know so yeah so sometimes it's just you know, step by step, they know before going to the home inspector that the roof is old. Yeah. It's not a new roof. And then it's not too much of a surprise when they hear from you that the roof needs to be changed. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's great. What are some things you don't like? <laughs> Everybody's favorite question. Yeah. No, I think uh, overall, there's nothing really that I don't like about home inspector or home yeah. inspections in general. I think. Yeah. You know, I've, I've never had issues with you guys. You, you guys Thank are you. very professional. And uh, um, uh, the, the most recent was with uh, Ryan that does yeah. a good job uh, with us. And, um, you know, I think uh, it's just a matter of uh, also connecting the clients with the inspector. And right. so, um, so you have a, a great team uh, around you, great inspectors. Uh, so, um, so I've always been very happy with that. Well, we've been fortunate. Thank you. Um, I don't want to take too much of your time. You shared some incredible information. Um, so if anybody out there is looking to learn more about um, short-term rentals and acquisition, they should call you. Anybody sure. out there is looking to buy a house, they should call you or sell <laughs> sure. a house, they should call you too. Or if they want ice skating lessons, they should call you as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, where can actually my holiday party this year is going to have uh, an ice skating rink on it so really? yeah my holiday party on uh, december 4th can i have a small ice skating rink and i have like three performers that's going to be uh, ice skating there for us no kidding so that's going to be fun <laughs> where do you where do you put that and uh next to the swimming pool perfect it's a small <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a small ice rink it's like 14 by 16 feet how awesome. Uh, and um, I have some of my friends that uh, are happy to be skating there for two hours for us. What a show. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> <laughs> how do um, how can people find you if somebody wants to get a hold um, of you? On my website, it's uh, sashablanchet.com. Mm -hmm. That's my full name. Very easy. Uh, Sasha, S-A-C-H-A, Blanchet. 
Uh, and um, you can look me up also on Instagram, Sasha Blanchet, find a home. And you can look me up as well on Facebook. So, Perfect. and if you're not on, on social media, call me 602-882-4921. Awesome. And he'll answer. Sasha, thank you so much for your time today. This was fantastic. And I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for listening to Just Another Real Estate Podcast. For the latest episodes, please subscribe and be sure to follow Dwell Inspect Arizona on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. To contact Dwell Inspect Arizona, call us at 480-867-4599. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, email our team at office at dwellinspectaz.com.